Gary Renard Podcast, Episode 13. Welcome to the Gary Renard Podcast, your personal cyber connection to Gary Renard, best-selling author of The Disappearance of the Universe and Your Immortal Reality. This is Gene Bogart, podcast producer and Gary's co-host. And after what seems like an eternity, we're on the phone with Gary Renard. Hey, buddy, how are you? I'm doing great, Gene. How you doing? Good, good. I know it's been quite a while since we've spoken, actually. Well, you and I have talked a bit. We certainly, we, sh- <laughs> we certainly, <laughs> we certainly haven't done a podcast recording since, uh, I guess, around the time you were going over to Europe. So this will be, a, we'll be catching up today, won't we? That's right. It's great to hear that big American voice of yours. Uh, that's right. After all the Brit, well, you had Scottish voices. I did that the last time. I won't. I won't horrify people with that again. But uh, yeah, you've been a traveling guy, and you were also. Uh, I think last time we spoke too, you were going to the West Coast before you went to Europe. I don't know. You catch me up, Gary. Well, I really think that uh, for the last six months, I've been traveling more than usual, and I had longer trips than usual. Uh, I started out by going to Hawaii, which is you know a tough job. But, uh, I know you you hate Hawaii. I know that absolutely. But uh, no, it's my my favorite place. Uh, you know, it's it's only ahead of California. Uh, California's catching up, but uh, Hawaii is still my favorite. And uh, I came to California after Hawaii. And we had this great Course in Miracles conference in uh, San Francisco at the end of February. Oh right, right. I think we touched on that, but you never really told me much about it. Right, and I got to meet uh, Judy Scotch, the original publisher of the course, uh-huh. to her house, and, and uh, that was a great experience. She was very nice to me, and her husband, Witt, who is in charge of the uh, translation program, you know, translating the course into mm-hmm. all these different languages. And actually, uh, aside from the conference itself, which was a great experience for me, uh, I think one of the most interesting things that happened on that trip was that Judy Scotch played for me this uh, DVD that they were just about to release, and now it's available. Uh, from the Foundation for Inner Peace. And it's just a uh, oh, 15, 20-minute DVD, but uh, it's very important, I think, because up until now, it had been thought that Helen Shuckman's voice had never actually been recorded. Oh, right, right. You never actually hear her speaking. Her words, of course, obviously are so, and so, and so people would know she was the principal scribe of the Course. That's right. There, there is a video called The Story of A Course in Miracles in which an actress named uh, Glynis Johns mm-hmm. uh, plays the voice of Helen. But uh, I guess, it's, you know, having heard Helen's voice now, I realize that it's not the same. That, uh, you know, even though Glynis Johns is a very good actress, her voice did not sound like Helen Shuckman. Right. And uh, what happened was, back in 1978, which is only uh, three years before Helen passed away, mm-hmm. Uh, her and Bill Thetford, the two scribes of the course, as well as uh, Ken Wapnick and Judy Scutch, uh, they went out to California from New York in order to you know, help introduce people to A Course in Miracles. Mm-hmm. And uh, the four of them were out there, and uh, there was this get-together after their presentation, and uh, this guy was trying to interview Helen. Now, Helen was the kind of person who didn't really like to be interviewed, and this guy wanted to ask her some questions and record them with a tape recorder, and I guess this guy was kind of like flirting with Helen, which he liked. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he kind of like talked her into doing this short interview within 15 or 20 minutes. And uh, what he did was he asked her questions where she answered and actually gave her experience of hearing the voice of Jesus and oh, what that wow. was like. And uh, it was really a revelation for me hearing it. 
because I didn't realize, you know, how sharp and how quick and how, uh, you know, very uh, sincere and matter-of-fact, you know, Helen was about the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, they did this interview, and then uh, the guy played it back, and it sounded really scratchy, and it really didn't sound very good. And so it got put in a box somewhere for like 25 years. And uh, then somebody found it, and they realized that with today's technology, they could clean it up and take out all the background noise and make it sound good so that you could hear her voice you know, well enough for it to be made into a DVD. Right. And then they put all these uh, pictures on the DVD in the background, so it's kind of like a slideshow at the same time. Uh-huh. And uh, it's absolutely fascinating, uh, and it's available, actually, from the Foundation for Inner Peace now. If you go to their website, which I think is just uh, acim.org, and uh, you can get it. And I would recommend it to anybody because it really made me understand that uh, this was Helen's experience. There's no way that she could have been making this uh, up. When you hear her voice, you just know uh, that what she was saying was true. So, uh, And I don't think anybody needs proof. But still, I think that in light of the fact that there has been some controversy about the last few years of Helen's life, right, and also considering the fact that this was recorded just three years before she passed away, I think it's an important uh, piece of uh, documentation as to what it was like for her. That's really interesting because, you know, that question has come up uh, on a number of different topic threads at the Yahoo group, The Disappearance of the Universe, where your books and materials and the course are discussed constantly. Uh, and, yeah, there have been a number of questions about that area. So it's really interesting to hear it from the horse's mouth, so to speak. I mean, there's really nothing like hearing the actual person in their own words. Uh, and that's a rare I mean, it's amazing that this wasn't it was totally forgotten about huh, for all those years. And it just recently came up. Yes, and I'm glad they cleaned it up and put it out because it was recorded uh, just three years before uh, Helen passed away. And we know that the last two years of her life, uh, she did have cancer, uh-huh. and uh, she died of cancer. So I'm sure that those last two years of her life were not very pleasant. Right. But uh, at the same time, uh, there's that wonderful story by Ken Wapnick in which he talks about uh, going back to the hospital after Helen had passed away. And the look on her face was so peaceful that it made Ken believe that uh, Jesus had kept her promise to Helen right. and had come for her uh, at the end of... Yeah, you want to mention that for a sec, I don't know if everybody will know about that, just quickly, what that was. Yeah, uh, uh, Jesus had promised Helen that he'd be there for her when the time came, you know, when, uh, and, you know, he said that he'd be there, and uh, that, you know, when Ken saw what she was like, you know, because she was uh, in a bit of agony right. when he left her that day, and, and then they got the phone call, Ken and Helen's husband, Louie, you know, got the phone call that she had passed away. They went back to the hospital, and she looked completely different. She looked wow. extremely peaceful and uh, almost happy. And that led Ken to believe that Jesus had kept his promise. Uh, yeah. Helen, and had actually come for her and showed up in her experience uh, in order to guide her, you know, from the body to uh, the next place for her. Right. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, that's great. So uh, people can just go check out that website and uh, look into getting that DVD. Yep, it's available now from the uh, Foundation for Inner Peace, and uh, it's well worth uh, getting, I think. Cool. So uh, what else went on out there? Any other uh, any other notable activities at that course conference uh, last, I guess that was last early spring, really? Well, the thing I liked about the conference was that, uh, you know, there had been, as in any spiritual group, there had been some people who weren't getting along with each other. And uh, I would say by the end of the second day, it was amazing to me how all of us were just uh, hugging each other, and it was like a total love fest. <laughs> all of you, Gary? Everybody? Yes, I, I don't think there was anybody there. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, John Mundy and I, uh, you know, people who uh, perhaps you might think 
would not have necessarily gotten along at that conference simply based on uh, you know some writings that had taken place before that. And uh, it, it occurred to me that if you practice A Course in Miracles, sooner or later you have to come back to what it's all about, which is forgiveness, which leads to love. And it really was a love fest, and uh, that made me feel really great about the Course. I think that sooner or later uh, you always have to come back around to the core teachings. If you're going to keep studying the Course and stay with it, you always come back to love and forgiveness. And it always shows up sooner or later. So I really think that the Course uh, you know, is going to be fine and that people who uh, study it will always come back to the truth because, after all, in the final analysis, it is a self-study course. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's something that's done between you and the Holy Spirit, and it doesn't matter what uh, other people think. It's really just between you and the Holy Spirit or Jesus or whatever you want to call it. And uh, it always comes back to love and forgiveness, and that's the way it will always be. And it's amazing, too, that when people get caught up in controversy, uh, there are certain people who are writers, supposed authorities, teachers uh, on the course, who sometimes become controversial in the way they're approaching things. And I think for for anybody who's listening or following someone like that, the, the question is always... How am I relating through the Holy Spirit here? I really don't need any other human being. And I think that the greater true teachers are, and I'll say you are one of them. People always say this, that you're, you're the first person to get up there and say, look, there's nothing special about me. I'm just, uh, as you call it, this lucky fellow, you know, who, who is in a position to hopefully help people, but take me or leave me. That doesn't matter. It's always the course that matters and not to get caught up in, in the, in the, in the human element of whatever person it seems to be that you might be following. That's true. And, uh, I think that, uh, you know, there are certainly people out there who call themselves masters and who present themselves as being uh, perfect and awakened and... uh, Not that we know any of them personally. Well, I think... (laughs) (laughs) You know, you know how how A Course in Miracles says that uh, the guiltless mind cannot suffer (laughs) and uh, how, uh, you know, what that means really is like Jesus at the end of his life could not feel any pain. Right. Now, my favorite rendition of the crucifixion is actually in the book by Ramdas, where they have a drawing of Jesus in the middle, and somebody's driving a nail through his wrist, and he's not reacting at all, and he's not feeling any pain, and he's not judging it, because the guiltless mind cannot suffer, and Jesus yeah. cannot feel any pain. So I have an idea based on that. Okay. <laughs> uh, I think that what we should do is the next time somebody calls themselves a master, uh-huh. let's drive a nail through their wrist. <laughs> Just see, just to see what happens. Yeah, I mean, if, you know, if it doesn't hurt, you know, then they're a master. There you go. Ipso facto. Yeah, that's my <laughs> test. Uh, the next time somebody calls himself a master, I'm going to drive a nail through their wrist. I'll keep that in mind. So you'll, you'll have a little hammer with you all the time now. Yes, I'm going to carry it around. <laughs> well, I kind of like that, actually. <laughs> but uh, as you know, I did go to Europe. Yes, the great Europe trip. Starting off with Scotland, laddie. Well, Findhorn was great. Uh-huh. You know, Findhorn was great. It's a very unique community. I stayed uh, with this guy who runs the, uh, you know, the workshops there, and he has a solar-powered house. And uh, a solar-powered house. It's, that's the only source of energy in Scotland. Yeah. Is there actually any sunlight in Scotland? Oh yeah, and this is northern Scotland. Oh wow! It's not really that warm there. Right. And uh, yet, his you know he had plenty of hot water. The place was you know very warm. Uh, he had no other need for any other source of power. And, of course, if you can do it with one house, you can do it with any house. Oh, sure. And, uh, and if you can do it in Scotland, you can do it anywhere. Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting that uh, they have a community like that of free-thinking people who 
you know, do what works, and uh, they're not run by what the world thinks. Yeah. And then, of course, if you get tired of the community of Findhorn, you can always drive into the town of Findhorn. Oh. And you can go to the local pub. Ah, and, the Finhorned uh, pub. Yeah, everybody was buying me Guinness. and. Uh, no kidding. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. It, what? No, let me just picture the pub. It's like an old thatch roof building, and it's called the Hog and Haggis. Uh, close. Okay. Close, but it, uh, it's a real community place. And they were buying you Guinness. Yeah. Real man's beer. That's right. Hey, cool. That's right. And uh, but uh, we had people from like uh, fifteen different countries uh, at Findhorn. It was a real international uh, group. We had uh, people come from as far away as Japan, as you wow. may know. The book's been published uh, in places like China, Japan. Right, and they came from Japan to Scotland. Yeah, it's a pretty long trip. Yeah. And, uh, oh, that's great. And it was great, and I uh, I had uh, great experiences all through Europe, Holland, England. Uh, Switzerland, Portugal, uh, very unique places, and I'll be going to bigger countries next year, I think. Mm -hmm. The book's uh, available now in 17 different languages. Wow. It's being translated into... Now, did you get to, while you were over there, did you get to meet any people that you were uh, looking forward to meeting, people who had contacted you through the list or your your fans or whatever? Because sometimes people, oh, when you come to Europe, I'll see you kind of thing. Actually, yeah, there were some. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's it's, uh, fun to meet people. Every, actually, every city I go, including America now, because I've been to like 40 states now, and uh, I plan to hit all 50 eventually. Mm-hmm. And it's always great to meet people who uh, you've seen emails or postings from. Sure. You get to put a, a face to the, uh, you know, to the words. And uh, it's a lot of fun. And of course, uh, sooner or later, it all comes back to the fact that, you know, we're actually all the same, and we're actually all one, and there isn't really any difference. But it's fun to hear people's experience of how they, you know, find out about Things like A Course in Miracles and the Disappearance of the Universe, and mm-hmm. uh, hear everybody's you know story about their spiritual path. It's always uh, fun, and actually, that's one of my favorite parts of doing the workshops, is especially doing the book signings, because I take the time to talk to everybody and you know get to know them and uh, get to hear their story or answer a question or whatever. In fact, I think the lines at my book signing moved the slowest in history. Uh. Because, uh, you know, some of these authors, they have a handler with them, and they're kind of like rushing people through. Here's your autograph next. <laughs> yeah, it's like they're stamping the books or something. <laughs> and I don't do that. I, I actually enjoy uh, meeting people and getting to know them. In fact, that's been my favorite part of this whole, this whole deal, because that's the only way that I really got to know people's experiences. And right. It means a great deal to me. Right. And uh, Europe was great, and since I've been back here, I've done all kinds of... Uh, crazy things actually moved from maine to california yeah i want to talk about that a bit because i know that that is the case you've been mentioning that was coming up and uh you were there now as i'm speaking to you it doesn't much matter in our recording process but uh except for the time difference it's three hours difference between east coast and west coast so how are things in sunny california and what is that all about well it's great uh i want to uh emphasize one thing that i've learned this year uh from the course more than anything and is that experience of what the course says the course says you travel but in dreams ah. while safe at home <laughs> so it doesn't really matter where you go or where you are or where you appear to be you're always really safe at home in god right you know in heaven and what we want is for our experience to become that more that mm-hmm. uh yeah the, no matter how much things appear to change for example i've had um a situation where i'm going through a difficult divorce and uh, my life has changed so much recently, not just with all the traveling, but also with the divorce and also a huge move uh, from Maine to California. Yeah, that's a and big move, not just mileage-wise, but uh, kind of culturally as well. It sure is. And then, uh, you know, trying to write the uh, third book at the same time right. uh, in the midst of all this and art in person. 
uh, appearing to me. In fact, they appeared to me today. Ah. And uh, so now, yeah. tell me the truth. So I know because you know people sometimes know me as the voice of Arton in your recordings. Uh, when he shows up now in California, is it like ascot and sunglasses and a director's cap? <laughs> uh, actually, no, Gene. Uh, <laughs> He doesn't show up like that. <laughs> Excuse and they me. Also, well, I'm curious because, you know, on our next recording session, I, I have to dress appropriately. That's right. We still have to record your immortal reality uh, yes. into an uh, audiobook. A lot of people have been asking about that. Yeah, I didn't know. I, did, I wasn't going to bring it up here on the podcast because I didn't know what you wanted to say about that. But, yeah, I know we've, we've talked with many people who have asked me about that, and I always say, hey, ask Gary. Well, I'd like to do that. And, hey, was, uh, my publisher has a big backlog of uh, of audiobooks. Maybe we uh, we should do it ourselves. Well, you know, we can. So that's, uh, you know, either way, I think we can probably uh, assure people that in one form or another, it's uh, definitely a high probability of doing a recording of uh, your immortal reality. Great. And, uh, yeah, in fact, uh, the thing about Art and Personnel in California, they had to appear on a different couch because I didn't get the couch. Uh, ah. On all this time. Oh, yeah, wait a minute. Wait, we're going back to the divorce, I guess, here. I didn't get the couch. Yeah, uh. Was, uh, <laughs> actually, that couch belonged... Uh, to uh, Karen before uh-huh. uh, I knew her, so she got to keep it. But uh, the saving grace is that the couch I have here is more comfortable. So. Ah, now that doesn't matter to them at all. Uh, no, but uh, you know them. They'll make smart remarks about, uh, uh-huh. about anything. So hot shot, is this the best furniture you can afford? Uh, actually, uh, it, yeah, it's actually <laughs> pretty good. I've, I've always wanted a nice, uh, you know, dark leather couch like, like this. And... Uh, you know, I, I know it doesn't really matter, but, you know, what the hell, if you're going to uh, have an illusion, you might as well enjoy it. Might as well have an ice illusion, and uh, that's good news for me, so when I come out to visit, I'll have a comfortable couch to sleep on. That's right, and yeah. uh, speaking of nice illusions, uh, Southern California here is beautiful. I'm about 15 minutes from the ocean. Uh, uh, yeah, you mentioned that. And uh, I'm right near Hollywood, mm-hmm. and the reason that I felt guided to come here, you know, people have been asking me, you know, how come you didn't move to Hawaii? And uh, I still love Hawaii, and actually it's going to be a lot easier for me now to visit Hawaii. Oh, sure, it's got to be like half the distance as it was from Maine, right? Right, plus it's just one flight instead of three, which, uh, you know, is a big difference when you're... Right, for sure, yeah. And I won't have to deal with the ice and the snow in the winter. Oh, yeah, I can't wait for this winter. You'll have so many more pleasant stories to tell me. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the reason that I felt guided to move here, one of the reasons was uh, all the synchronicities, all the people that I've been meeting the last few years. I would meet one person, and they appeared to be in a position to help me do this thing that I feel guided to do, which is to have uh, the disappearance of the universe eventually made into a TV series. Right, yeah, we've talked about it a little bit. And uh, it's like, um, you know, I would meet one person, and they're in a position to help with that, and then I would meet somebody else like two weeks later, and it would turn out that they like live next door to this person who I'd met, <laughs> you know, two weeks before that, and I'm meeting him independently, and, and this happened like several times, and I realized that there was a group of people here, you know, that I'm supposed to meet and that I'm supposed to associate with and be a part of, and uh, so that's happening. There's all kinds of synchronicities, and it's no accident, as the Course of Miracles says, you know, those who are to meet shall meet. And uh, so I, f- I just feel all kinds of uh, great things happening here. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, that's why I'm here. It's, it's not just, you know, for pleasure. It's definitely the right place for me to be right now in order to participate uh, in possible television and movie things that can help spread the message of 
uh, A Course in Miracles, perhaps in a, in a bigger way than it's ever been shared before. Yeah, it could be. And plus, there's a lot of the uh, sort of the inner people within the Course community. Uh, I would say probably there's a majority uh, in California compared to anywhere, any other single place, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah, there's a very big uh, Course community here. Of course, Ken Wapnick is uh, here in California. I right. go visit him now, uh, say hello, tell him some jokes, and uh, vice versa. And he's always been very good to me. He's a good guy. So you'll be doing lunch with Ken all the time now? Well, he's still an hour and a half away, so uh, I, I'll probably do lunch with him uh, you know, once a year. <laughs> that, that's just because I travel so much. Though. Right, right. Because you're, you're, you know, you're such a busy guy. Now, Ken, Ken doesn't travel that much, right? He gets to stay closer to home a lot? You know, actually, Ken has been traveling a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, I've noticed he's doing places like he did Denver, or he's doing Denver the same month of, as me this year. Ah. Uh, he's going, and he's already been to San Santa Fe, uh, Atlanta. Uh, I noticed he's doing Omega Institute in New York for the first time wow. uh, next year. I was just there last week, uh-huh. and uh, we'll both be there uh, next year. And he, he does the ARE pretty regularly. I, so he's doing uh, you know, a lot more appearances around the country than he used to, and I have to think that uh, you know, disappearances help to make more and more people aware of his work, uh, because I know that uh, Temecula is also doing uh, very well. And uh, I'm glad about that because uh, I think that, you know, it's very difficult to find people who teach the course who actually stick to the message. Right, the who really and teach. refuse to compromise on it. Yeah. Uh, which I refuse to compromise on it. And uh, I just can't name very many people who do that. But Ken Wapnick uh, has certainly not only, he not only does that, but he's been doing it for 30 years. So, right, right. Uh, he certainly can't uh, do anything except to have enormous respect for him. Mm hmm. Cool. So uh, now I'm in a position where I'm, I'm starting to get settled out here, but I still have to, you know, do a lot of moving. Do I'm going to finish this third book? Uh, you know, go through the things I have to go through right. with the divorce. I have to go back to Maine occasionally for uh, what they call mediation, and uh, you know, there's just a lot of stuff going on. But I'm hoping that by the end of the year, the third book will be done, which won't be easy uh, with the child the traveling, and I find it difficult to write on the road, but yeah. uh, at the same time, once that's done, then my energy will kind of shift. Uh, I'll still be traveling a lot, but my energy will kind of shift as far as my extra projects are concerned to mm-hmm. kind of like uh, video uh, rather than, uh, you know, just uh, writing. And uh, I'd like to see you know, a TV series based on the book. Plus, uh, I've, I've already been in one movie, which is out now, and uh, I was just interviewed for a second, and I'm going to be interviewed for a third movie. So. Uh, now, these are completely different or part of that same serious uh, business? Yeah, ah, different, cool, cool. Different projects. Uh-huh. And uh, so I'm very excited about that. And there's a lot of cool things happening that are helping to, to share the message. And I like to be included in these things because there aren't a lot of people out there teaching A Course in Miracles who are you know, in the public eye or well-known. Uh, up until uh, you know, Ken going to Omega, I was the only one there. Uh, teaching a course in miracles. It's the same at places like the Crossings and Kripalu and right. you know a lot of these uh, teaching institutes where I teach. And so uh, you know I feel like somebody should be out there, you know, teaching the course. 
And, you know, even people, you know, I've talked a little bit at times about like uh, on some of the cable news shows, Larry King or whoever, whatever show it is, they'll have a thing on spirituality and they'll have different people. They'll have a Buddhist guy and they'll have a fundamentalist preacher and they'll have a, you know, a, a Jewish rabbi. But they don't really have a people from the metaphysical perspective and certainly not from A Course in Miracles perspective. And I, I really think they should because it would add so much to the balance of that dialogue and it would really let people let people know that there, you know, there are other ways rather than the traditional religious methods of looking at God and looking at, at basic spirituality, and that would be really great to be doing. That's true. They don't have anybody who teaches A Course in Miracles, and even if uh, once in a great while they have someone who uh, you know, calls themselves A Course in Miracles teacher, that person doesn't teach A Course in Miracles. They talk about politics, they talk about yeah, that what tends... has to be done in right. the world, and so it's not really A Course in Miracles. Yeah. So that would be really great to have that brought into that mainstream. Uh, recently, too, I saw somebody uh, who was talking about uh, atheism. And I realized, as I always do when I talk to someone, and I've had discussions with atheists before, and I'm, I'm not, I don't mean this judgmentally at all, but I always find it seems that their problem, as being a militant atheist, their problem is never really with God or even the idea of God. It's always religion. And they'll say, well, I'm an atheist because religion sends you to war and religion makes you judge against others and you know but that's religion that's not god and i think that if you talk to someone like that and present it uh, present the concept of god as god is presented in the course they generally say well i don't really have a problem with that you know maybe they're not sure that there's a creative power but they're they're not against the idea of it what they're against is what religion has always been teaching not really god so that would be an interesting part of the discussion that just never seems to come up well i think you make an excellent uh, point gene and uh you know, it's so true. If uh, people could be exposed more to something like A Course in Miracles, which is about empowering the individual to go to God, mm -hmm. then uh, I think they'd have a different opinion of things like God. Uh, you know, you could say that organized religions have always hated mystics. Yeah, you've mentioned that before, and that's very true. It really is. Yeah, because with a mystic, uh, you know, you're going to God on your own. Yeah. You know, what do you need that organized religion for? What do you need a church for? Right. And uh, Jesus wasn't actually liked by the powers that be. No, that's for sure. <laughs> and uh, on top of that, uh, today, I think that, you know, people, they think of religion and God as being the same thing, but it's not. It's like, uh, to me, real spirituality is about an approach to God that is personal uh, rather than institutional. And uh, the self-study nature of A Course in Miracles is brilliant, and Jesus uh, actually leads us right. uh, to God and, and tells us how to go to God the same way that he did. Right. And, uh, you know, that's, that's something that uh, I've always been grateful for ever since I found it. In fact, uh, it uh, answered my questions. Uh, it's, I feel like it's a thought system that doesn't leave you with a bunch of unanswered questions. Right. Uh, it, it uh, you know, absolves God of any responsibility for this world. It gives us a God who really is perfect love. Uh, it gives us a perfect home to go home to. And that really came as a relief to me. Yeah. Because uh, if this world had been done by God, then that would mean that I was a victim of God. Mm -hmm. That I was a victim of a force outside of myself that had done it to me. Right. You know, but now I understand that the world is not being done to me, that it's being done by me. And uh, that's the reversal of cause and effect and the, the reversal of thought that the Course is talking about. You know, you start to understand that the world is uh, not coming at you, it's actually coming from you. As we mentioned earlier, 
This was the first podcast recording session Gary and I had done since he had been over to Europe and back and since his move out to California. So obviously we had a lot of things to discuss. We're going to pick up this discussion right where we left off and continue it in our next episode, which will be episode 14 of the Gary Renard podcast series. We're also going to take a couple of questions for Gary in that next episode as well. The Gary Renard Podcast is produced by Enlighten Up Creations and presented by Forgiveness.tv. Verbal content of this program is copyright 2007, Gary Renard and Gene Bogart. For further information on Gary's best-selling books, The Disappearance of the Universe, and Your Immortal Reality, please go to his website, www.garyrenard.com. This is Gene Bogart saying thanks for listening, and remember that no matter what the question, forgiveness is always the answer. We hope you'll join us again next time, here on the Gary Renard Podcast. <laughs>